Welcome to The Vine Time with Melanie Bolek. Today's guest is Wesley Box from California. Welcome, Wesley. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Melanie. Thank you for coming. And I just want you to tell me a little bit about your wine story. I was introduced to you by Hunter Boone, suggested we connect, so our, our amazing Hunter. Yeah. Oh, man. The wine story actually kind of starts back about 15, 20 years ago when I first met Hunter. I was working at a wine bar in Marin County, finishing college. And he was one of our suppliers uh, at the time. Oh, Hunter was? Yeah. And, you know, we've we've had quite a few mutual friends over the years and, you know, a lot of good times just in passing at different wine industry events as my career is kind of trended towards production. Nice. Um, I did quite a bit of, uh, you know, wine bar work in the greater Bay Area, uh, Santa Cruz, Los Gatos, San Francisco, nice. Marin, Sonoma County. Santa Cruz. Yeah, um, sure. I'm actually from the North Bay, even though I, I spent quite a bit of time um, working in the surfing industry and kind of finding my way around the Santa Cruz Mountains, learning what I liked about wine at the time. Yeah, sure. uh, and then I just picked up a wine job when I was in college, uh, working at a tasting room. And then eventually some of my uh, previous business to business sales experience got me doing the wholesale thing. And right. so I, I, at one point I had a pretty, pretty nice little brokerage. Uh, in the greater Bay Area, where I was selling wine business to business for the better part of six or seven years, uh, right around, right after I met Hunter. And and it was kind of predicated on what he had done, actually. The whole concept was uh, really similar to my interest in, in eventually getting into import-export business, but right. um, specifically the wine industry and learning how to sell and market wine. Um, that was the first step. And then I did a lot of hospitality business-to-business work. I worked for the Boisset Group for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did some other brands, you know, worked for Lorenzo Petroni up at his property before he passed. He was kind of an interesting fellow in the food and wine industry in San Francisco and, and Sonoma mm-hmm. Valley. Um, but I've just kind of been lucky in in that the brands that I, you know, fell into work with um, were coming up and, and, you know, showed me the right path to take. Right. And what, what were those brands? You know, uh, the Hobo Wine Company, Kenny LeKipperkong, um, was pretty instrumental early on um, in showing me, like, you know, his ideas about natural winemaking. Right. Um, you know, and also, like, he had some really interesting branding ideas that I liked as well, um, just coming from that mutual background in the action sports industry. Um, and so I always thought his his stuff was pretty cutting edge in packaging design and winemaking at the time uh, when I was marketing those brands. Uh, Ross Cobb is another one. You know, Ross is a pretty famous Sonoma Coast producer at this point. Um, spent some time uh, where I grew up as well in Marin County is where yeah. he's from. So our paths crossed early on. And, you know, he's really influential and, he, and he's great about explaining Pinot Noir to people. Um, and right. that's kind of my first love when it comes to wine is, is Pinot. It's, you know, it fits with the coastal cuisine of Northern right. California and Central California and being a surfer, that's just right. kind of, you know, where it originates. Um, right. Those two are pretty instrumental. And then there's been some other interesting winemakers over the years. A gentleman named Richard Davis, uh, who's, you know, uh, the winemaker for the Halleck family, for Ross Halleck in Russian mm-hmm. River. And he had previously done a bunch of work um, with the Launder Project out of Anderson Valley a few mm-hmm. years back. Um, and he had you know, some great history and connectivity with Greg LaFollette. And those guys have been just fantastic mentors uh, to work around over the last 
I don't know, five years or so that I've been doing production for myself. Fantastic. And so your wines are being produced where? Uh, currently, we're based in uh, Sonoma County. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to actually be doing some production, I think, over in Napa this year as well. Okay. Um, and so that'll be an interesting adjustment, you know, just covering more ground. And, and we're starting to pull pull from vineyards um, throughout California. And that was kind of the idea because, you know, I'm such a kind of free spirit and my wife's a photographer and, right. and we're just like wandering and taking photos and discovering these kind of remote spots. And so whenever possible, we try to work with small family growers, you know, sure. just a little bit bigger than hobby vineyards or even smaller sometimes. Right. Uh, we're surf- uh, excuse me, we're sourcing fruit, you know, up in Calaveras County in the gold country, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout the different districts in Lodi a little bit in the central Valley, right. really love the white wines coming out of those areas. Um, and then we'd make Sonoma Coast Pinot, some Pinot from Mendocino Ridge. Um, and then Syrah is kind of what we've been known for. I know it's kind of the the bastardized uh, French grape here in America. but I love Syrah. It's my favorite grape. And, and wine Hands down my favorite grape. Pinot Noir, I'm yeah. not going to lie, is not my favorite. But I, I think with Pinot Noir in California, it, it just it's such a persnickety grape to grow, right? And, and somehow in this little, like, like nook of California, it just, it grows and it, it grows well. Right. So you guys are lucky because you can grow it there because a lot of people can't. Right. But I mean, then, then it has so many different expressions. Like every single California Pinot Noir I've tasted is entirely different. I, that's just my experience. So, I'm really with both Sarai and Pinot and the right. great thing where we live in the Petaluma Gap here right. on the South Coast, we can grow both pretty much side by side. Right. Uh, and they're really different. And they're they're both um, a lot of fun in the fermentation aspect of things too. In the cellar, the aromatic profiles off of both of those variety types when they're fermenting is is tremendous, and yeah. I, that's the most enjoyable part of the process for me sure. is getting that smell. And and you know that's from my restaurant background and working as a right. sommelier. It's very so. Um, um, so. Where did you learn how to make wine? And you, just through your experience? I mean, for working with other people or. Yeah, um, I'm another one of those um, kind of journeymen, pick it up on the trade side of things. You know, my background, my academic background is in uh, international political science. Me too. Um, I'm a graduate of Dominican University, and that's not too far from wine country. You know, it's about 15 minutes from Sonoma and Napa. And so, you know, I've just always been involved within the restaurant industry, and I picked it up that way. Um, I've been working... um, you know, in food and wine, most of my life and cooking is really similar to winemaking in the way in which you're responding to what you smell and taste, mm-hmm. um, the sensory perception aspect of a lot of it. And then, um, within the restaurant community, you know, the sommeliers, there's a few gentlemen over the years, Christopher Sawyer, who's a somewhat famous sommelier here in, in, uh, Sonoma County travels all over the world doing, um, great PR work and a lot of journalism, uh, about different producers in different wine regions. He's been really great in helping kind of guide my journey as well and, and yeah. giving me the right kind of clues. And another guy um, who's actually now working for Ted Lemon up in Literai, um, Luke Kenning, who I spent some time working with. He had been the sommelier at the Fairlawn Hotel uh, for Pat Coletto for years, working with Peter Palmer and the beverage team there. And mm-hmm. all of those guys from the Coletto restaurant group and and the chefs, um, they they were great to me over the years and and really did um, open up a world 
to me that I never would have been exposed to without right. access yeah. to those restaurants in San Francisco. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, such an amazing. Yeah, you know, the caliber of people and the caliber of wines, just remarkable. Um, and so hopefully I'm getting close. Right. And, and so the, your brand is called? We actually bottle under two different brands uh, or three different brands. We have uh, Hills and Valleys, which is kind of like a broader overview of the California landscape and seascape that we have here on the coast. Yeah. Um, and then we bottle um, our Syrah and Pinot under two different labels. Black Roses is where you're going to find the Pinot. Um, and then we bottle the Syrah, the Reserve Syrah under Syrahs. And that's kind of our, like, I don't know, our reserve highest level wine that we make. And it's it's typically the best barrels of Syrah that we produce from any given season. Mm-hmm. And over the last few years, we've been working with vineyards like Broken Lake Vineyard up in Anderson Valley. That's where we got our start bottling Syrah. And then we've worked with Bennett Bench and Bennett Valley, which is, you know, right overlooking kind of the ridge, looking down on Matanzas Creek uh, Winery in Bennett Valley, which that's kind of the ground zero for the Rhone movement in Sonoma County. Uh, really austere temperatures um, there and a lot of cobblestone and rock soils, rock driven soils. Um, and then we've also started working with a couple of vineyards um, in other parts of Sonoma County, one in Knights Valley. It's actually called Moran Manor. Uh, it's the historic ranch house next to the Barringer estate on highway 128. And I've been working with Brady and his family um, making the family wines, the Moran Manor wines, which is Cabin Merlot. Um, and playing with the Syrah that they have in that vineyard as well, which is really interesting. And we've, we've, uh, managed to make it in a couple different styles. Now I'm about to bottle the first hundred percent whole cluster version of that wine, uh, here in a couple weeks, along with our Sonoma Coast Pinot. But then there's been another vineyard in Fountain Grove that's, uh, produced Syrah and Grenache and, and Moved that we've worked with as well. So we've always kind of got one hand in the Rhone bucket and then we're always looking for really excellent Pinot Noir sources from, you know, places as far south as Santa Cruz and as far north as Humboldt County. Right, right. There's, there's quite a bit of ground to cover there and, and quite a bit you, of diversity in soil. You're bottling in Sonoma? Yeah. Okay. You're barely yeah. in Sonoma. Nice. And uh, all natural? Are you natural organic? I don't use anything in my wines right. that isn't organic. So, you know, we're we're letting uh, the fermentations happen um, spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're yeah. It's it's all up until the point of bottling where you know we do use sulfur because it is a preservative. It is also naturally occurring and it is also organic. Right. Um, you know, so that's something that needs to be said, and and it has a purpose within the wines. You know, as far as making sure you're not getting vinegar, you right. know, at the store. Um, it's really an important aspect, but you still want to maintain kind of a lower sulfur content level. And we try and go to bottle, you know, around 30 parts per million or less. Um, usually I'm around 20. And I do, um, especially with my white wines, um, I always try and sterile filter my wines. And I know that's not necessarily what a lot of the cool kids are doing right now. But, you know, with a fine dining background and working in restaurants most of my life, I think it's really important that the wines in your glass have that brilliance that you expect if you're sitting down for a nice meal. Sure. And that, that to me is just like product placement and sales and marketing and making sure that what we're putting out is going to stand the test of time. Right. And can you explain that process? And so like just basically working through your fermentation and finishing the wines, getting ready to bottle them bottle them, what we do is we just use a small cartridge um, 
It's like a chamber, a stainless steel chamber that has a sterile cartridge in it. And what it does is it removes any potential uh, spoilage bacteria that right. may be in the wine um, from just being in a big custom crush facility where there's 50 different winemakers, you know, right. like these are artisan studios that a lot of the small brands come up out of. And, and that in itself is a challenge, right? Like mm -hmm. getting through that, um, and creating something that people like and, and want to drink day in, day out. And so utilizing what my experience in restaurants has been, you know, to create products that will, function well in restaurant environments and wine bar environments is really our ambition and our goal. You know, I try not to make wines that are terribly expensive. I want everybody to drink them. I think they're good. And, you know, in the end of the day, that's all that really matters is what the consumer right. thinks about what's in their glass. It's funny when you come from, uh, you know, I, you know, I've been in the restaurant business for 30 years. So, you know, if you come from our side of it, actually probably more than 30 years, but you come from our side of it. And then I would say this about labels too, because, you know, these winemakers will come up with these traditional labels and you're like, man, that's not going to move off the shelf. You know, so you, you have a different perspective. You have a perspective from the buyer because you're in the face of the buyer all the time, you know? Uh, so, which is good, you know, because sometimes it's nice to have a view from all around, I guess. Um, and so, you know, what, what is trending? What are people asking for? The are Bay Area is a different conversation than a lot of the rest of the country. You right. know, I, I mean, you're probably in a unique situation, just like we are having spent a little bit of time in Portland, Maine, like, you know, it's a foodie culture for sure. Right? For sure. So like, yeah. There's this interesting dynamic, which started about 15 years ago where, you know, that Enotech vibe that you get in Italy and Spain and Portugal, where you're getting small plates and, and able to try a bunch of different wines in, in a little, you know, wine bar style cafe. Um, that to me is like where, we can have the most impact with our products because, you know, you're just putting that out there for people to give it a shot. And, and that's where you get your curious customer base too. So within the greater Bay area, there's a natural wine movement happening. That's really exciting. Um, you know, we have a lot of natural wines and we, I was just in Sicily you know, and it's happening there too. <laughs> Sicily, Sicily, I think is from my experience has been kind of on the leading edge of natural wine and Italian wine in general. They have, and, and this was explained to me, I was there last week and this was explained to me by the winemaker is that Sicilian winemakers, traditional, the, the process by which the traditional winemaking is done is all organic and natural as well. Um, and I think it probably stemmed from like a, a cost effective point of view, you know, it's, it's easier to, to let it yeast, the yeast, you know, ferment naturally and all these different things. But but yeah, he was like, yeah, there's certain techniques that we use that that are just organics. It's not like anyone taught us organics. We've been doing it for a long time. I have a friend who's a winemaker at Devero, um, and you know, he's got a real. They're all about soil science, and they're mm -hmm. making sure that they're taking their must from the winery back to the field and integrating that wild yeast strain back into the soil composition and mm -hmm. and working through composting and cover crop that's year round. Not mm -hmm. just for water retention, but also for, you know, making sure that that biologic aspect of the farming is really driving everything within that brand. Yeah. Um, I farm the Knights Valley site like that with Brady. Um, it's really an important aspect, I think, for the sustainability of the wine industry. Yeah, for sure. um, we're seeing more and more, you know, as I'm looking at grapes and what's for sale in the marketplace, we're seeing more and more producers of grapes transitioning to organic practices. Mm -hmm or deeper biodynamic practices, all of which are great. You know, it is more expensive and certainly depending on your vineyard site and how you're doing your process, 
there's pluses and minuses to all of it, right? right. But right. in a perfect world, we're buying, you know, certified organic or non-certified organic grapes or better biodynamic certified grapes. And we're letting nature take its course. I try and make wines that have a lot less uh, oak on them than what has been traditional, especially within the greater context, like say Cabernet and Napa Valley, you know, like that's not where I live and breathe, but at the same time, my neighbor across the street who makes wine makes big, round, robust Napa cabs, and I drink them with him all day long. Right. I love it. But, you know, I'm just not that cab producer yet. And, right. and, it, and it's just really evolution. And, like, within this business, as, as people that are independent come into it more and more, mm-hmm. we're going to see that, you know, reemergence of the craft side of things and realignment within the bigger industry itself and the bigger brands, you know, that change has always been generationally constant. I've just been watching from the sidelines in the right. area as it's happened over my lifetime of 40 years, you know? And so now we're seeing things like kind of go back to that, where it's a really exciting time to be drinking wine in the Bay area, especially with the amount of women that are making wine here right now. It's mm-hmm. really cool, you know, to see what's happening in Berkeley and see what's happening in West Sonoma County and, and certainly in downtown Napa Valley. I mean, there's some really fun stuff out there. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's just coming into, you know, the media. So. I was in LA last year and when I, I went to Sonoma, I rode to uh, Napa and Sonoma for a, a business trip. And once I landed in, in Oakland, I was like, oh, I'm home. Because I used to live in, I used to live East Bay when I was younger. Uh, so for me, it's home, Northern California. It's more home than LA. But I, I did enjoy LA. I miss it a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But um, especially after the summer we've had in Maine, because we had a very rainy, soppy summer here. So yeah. there's other places that are, are on fire, like Sicily, and then here we are sitting here with our rain hat, raincoats, and our <laughs> umbrellas all summer. And the trees are actually falling down. That's how bad it's gotten, because it's uh, the the water is causing all these flash floods, and it's actually permeating the the soil, and the soil is just becoming mud. Trees are just falling down. It's crazy. Oh, um, Weather-wise, you guys are having a good year, though, right? Yeah, I mean, keeping our fingers crossed every day. We did have right. one like subtropical come through there was about 11 lightning strikes in sonoma oh. county with no fires which was pretty oh, you're good. lucky no hail, hail, hail i think stuff, you know, right? the heavy rains right the heavy rains kind of got us some some moisture content in the ground yeah uh, but it's been pretty intense what were you in, doing in sicily just exploring i went on a vacation it's a long story and i didn't mean to go on a wine trip but uh, the last minute I was in Termina and I booked a wine trip for Sunday and I thought it was from Termina, but then the guy was like, yeah, you got to drive on my net. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that today. Cause I'd driven all the day before. So I actually, uh, I said, look, I'll meet you tomorrow. But he didn't know. He like, he, I, 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 he thought it was a tourist. And then I sent him my site and he's like, oh, you're not a tourist. So he gave me a special trip in which he brought me to the vineyard. And it was really cool. We were so close to the uh, volcano and, uh, I mean, I, I'll send you pictures afterward. We were so close to the volcano. It was like right there. And he was like, he was walking around the vineyard cursing some cow because some shepherd lets his cow off uh, up in his vineyard because there's no, there's no fences, right? It's on the side of a mountain. And uh, he was picking wild fennel from the ground and picking apricots off the trees and feeding them to us. And, and just, you know, like there was just herbs everywhere, growing everywhere. And, you know, he was even saying, you know, talk about like um, biodiversity you know, it was just everything was everywhere, you know, and and so he was even saying to me, you know, you can tell the, you know, the the value of a vineyard by the quality of the fruit it produces. So if, you know, the fruit you eat off the tree is good, you know that the grapes are going to be good. 
Uh, yeah. He was a natural producer as well. He was all into natural wines. He he let me taste some wines afterward. They brought they made us dinner, and uh, some aged natural wines. And he said, for all of those people who think that a natural wine can't age, taste that. And it was amazing, you know. So cool guy. When I was selling wine as a broker, I I met a gentleman um, who's pretty. He's kind of famous in in the history of California and American wine. Uh, his name was Larry Romano, and he worked for. Uh, his sister still works for Southern Wine and Spirits in San Francisco. I work for uh, Southern, yeah. Sales portfolio people, um, Nancy Romano. But yeah. anyways, I first met them when I was selling wine, and he was really old at that time. But he was just so adamant about the wines that the, that the family was importing from Italy. And the process had to be, you know, 3,000 case production or less. Mm-hmm. Native yeast fermentations. Right. Um, limited use of new oak and on and on and on. But basically it all boiled down to certified organic or biodynamic vineyards, right? Mm-hmm. Along with that wild fermentation. And that's really where the, the foundation of this natural wine movement started sure. is from the Italian producers and okay. they're, you know, basically they're advocates here in the United States. Sure. And he was really um, awesome in teaching me wine and we had some shared history throughout the valley in Napa and Marin. And so as I became friends with them, like just working with that portfolio of Italian imports, um, it was it was tremendous. I mean, I was selling Maiolini and, you know, there was, I mean, I, I can't even remember. There were so many great little family producers in For there. Sure. But like, and there's so many, there's actually so many wines that actually are produced in Sicily all over too. But oh, yeah. you know, Italy is mean, an amazing an amazing place, but mo- the, the people I met who actually changed my mind about organic were in Champagne. Because oh, yeah. you have to think that Champagne has the lowest yields. Um, is it lowest yields? Yeah, it's the lowest yields of anyone, right? Because, you know, they can't even produce enough in one year to make a single, you know, like a single. Have vineyard. you tried um, the Lalarge Peugeot wines? I have not. No, when it's I was there, I met, I met Vincent Laval. So I actually went there to meet Vincent Laval, which is breathtaking and then i met a couple of other uh, biodynamic wine producers which is really amazing because you know you think about biodynamically producing wine and then you think about biodynamic producing champagne and how challenging it is and how costly costly it is but they do it for the right reasons so they were the people who changed my mind about and and again you know laval has never sprayed his vineyard ever and his father nor had his father they were all always organic that's the way it always was they, they were champions of the organic movement in Champagne, but at the same time, too, he actually sprays his neighbor's vineyards on the hill so that the, nothing goes into the, um, the soil, into his soil, which is really kind of cool, too. Again, more cost-effective, you know, because, you know, they're all these little plots on hills and this, that, and the other. But the, the crazy thing is when you drive around Champagne, all the vineyards, especially in the spring, which is when we were there, all the vineyards are yellow, and then you see the green one, and you know that that's organic because it has... <laughs> biodiversity it has grass and flowers unlike the other one that's been polluted with you know chemicals sadly yeah uh, you can see it when you're driving in the winter through dry creek valley sure. like reaching out of the hillside and into the drainage creeks it's really gross yeah. and it's really sad too because you you got to wonder like how long you're going to be able to sustain that conventional right. farming process before it collapses underneath right, right. the soil just can't climate change or just the soil's done Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's not sustainable in any way. But, you know, I say this constantly and I'll say it again. You know, if people are going to buy organic food to put on their table. They should certainly consider 
buying organic or biodynamically or naturally produced wealth. Yeah, uh, we have you know, we got sense. some we got some work to do in California as far as like well in American wine culture as far as like explaining the difference between like what it means to make a certified biodynamic bottle of wine, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the facility then or and or certified organic bottle of wine. The right. organic facility factor that right. the FDA applies is way different than what they're playing with over in, you know, Europe. And right. that that conversational difference or, you know, how however you explain that to the consumer has never been touched in the US. Right. And well, it has a significant impact in how we produce things. It feels to me like we should make a show about that. So for Vine Time TV. So we'll put that on the shelf for now. But I, I like this idea because this is something that I'm I'm very I feel very strongly about. So I love to like showcase it like in the real form. Like this is this and this is that, you know. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. I ask all of my guests, what do you love? My wife. Oh, that's a beautiful question. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's good. And you like to surf? Uh, yeah, I've been um, involved in the bodyboarding industry and, and surf culture most of my life, nice. skateboard culture. Where um, do you surf north, uh, the north uh, side of, of San Francisco? Uh, it's called Fort Cronkite. Um, and then there's a lot of spots. I mean, I surf around the, around the Russian river mouth quite a bit and right. north of there, um, to point arena in Mendocino, mm-hmm. uh, work with a vineyard right above point arena called, uh, Mariah vineyard, uh, from time to time. And I've spent quite a bit of time living in Mendocino County, um, as well. And so I cover quite a bit of ground. I still surf in Santa Cruz more often than not, just because, the density of surf spots is so opportunistic as right. compared to the rest of the coast. Right. You, know, you cover a lot of ground to see a couple spots versus being down there and you see 50 spots in the same amount of time. Right. There was a guy who was bit by a shark when I was there in uh, Lompoc, I think, or somewhere near Lompoc. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say if you have a lot of surfers in, in, in the water, especially Santa Cruz, it would probably be a little bit safer. I'd say it's probably more the more the densely populated places where... <laughs> You know, people that are nervous being in the ocean um, bring that to them. I know, right? It's true. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that. So, um, and then the last question, I'm gonna, this is going to end really soon. So the last question I'm going to ask you is, what is your song? Did you bring us a song today? Oh, man. Uh, I did. Give, it to, give me one second here. Okay. It's, it's called, um, oddly enough, it's called Hills and Valleys. Yeah, there you go. Just like the wine. Yeah, and actually, that's funny that you brought this up because um, the entire—it's a Buju Bonton song. Uh, it's a reggae song, and all of our brands, you know, have some sort of connectivity to music because my wife has been so involved in tattoo art most of her life, and right. you know, we we we're punk rockers and and Scottalite kids. Like, we spent a lot of time going to music in the North Bay and and being around really talented musicians and spending right. time, you know, seeing punk rock in Berkeley when we were kids yeah. and skateboarding. And that's Hunter. Hunter's, Hunter's big music, you know, Earth Angel guy. You know, yeah. we've got our own people. And get this. So I've got my own guy here, Greg Martens. Shout out to Greg Martens and uh, Go Big for Hunger. He's, uh, he used to work for the Grateful Dead. And now he lives here in Maine and he, he hosts these charity concerts and Tyrone Vaughn is going to be on after. And he came up and played and, you know, like, so, so we've got we've got all these musical connections, and I go to Sicily and I meet the one winemaker who's hosting concerts on the side of the volcano. <laughs> cool. David, you know, so it's like 
everywhere we go, you know, like those these musical people, these music at heart kind of find each other. So here we yeah, are. I love it. You know, how do people just, find you? Uh, you can go to boxwinecompany.com. Okay. Uh, I can ship pretty much anywhere in the country, nice. one way or another. People are buying uh, directly from the website? You can in California. Um, that's not a problem. Otherwise, I mean to. Otherwise, I got to just set up the shipping to get it out there. But yeah, I can ship anywhere in the country. Okay. And do you have national distribution? I do like, are, you selling, are you selling the Hunter right now? Hunter carries our wines in Florida. Okay. In Florida. I do California by myself, and I can right. ship the f- pretty much everywhere except for Utah and Mississippi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and Instagram? Uh, Instagram is the same, Box Wine Company. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. And and here's your song. Awesome. Hola, hey.